This is Kyle Cord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the Debbie Debate. Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand. You <laughs> jumped up and... That's Austin Nace. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Robinson who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm. Another one as he rides it. Keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out. But I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name. One, Zach F. Wilson. Screen or draw? Oh, Wilson. He's going to uncork for the end zone. Drops it in beautifully, and it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out. Justin Fields. Hello, Columbus. 51 yards. Brunin, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Our apologies for Kirk Street. We ran out of time. We'll get to reschedule soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin A, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. We're going to be giving away one of the three signed jerseys. Remember, that's Bijan Robinson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and Jordan Addison. And all you have to do to get entered to win one of those jerseys is leave a rate and review. Uh, what was the other way? <laughs> oh, prize picks. <laughs> Make an initial deposit on prize picks. And uh, if you call the Better Sports Show, which we had three people call the Better Sports Show this past Saturday. Saturday. So if you did all three of those things, you could have as many as three entries to win one of these jerseys that we will be giving out uh, one tonight. I'm assuming so, Matt. Matt, we got everything in order we, logistically. He's good to holding go. his thumbs up. But we have a guest on tonight. Shane Manila at Shane is the worst on Twitter. I mean, you can find his work all over the place. He's been in the Dynasty and Podcast game for a very long time. DLF, uh, Manic and Chill. Fantasy Intervention, and, of course, Dynasty Trades HQ. I think that's a podcast that I've been listening to um, for as long as I could remember, just getting into uh, fantasy football on Twitter and following Shane and Michael and and Jeremy. Uh, He is a unique voice, an authentic voice in the fantasy space. So we're honored to have him here tonight and, and, and to be partnering with him uh, in Dynasty Trades HQ, the Dynasty Trades HQ podcast. Shane, welcome to the Debbie Debate. Uh, I want to ask you about C2C leagues, I guess, to start. You they're are saying you hustled them in the in chat, one. Shane. So they're saying you hustled them. Look at this. Who hustled them? That's what they said. No time is no, no way he's a first timer. Look, my, 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 my C2C team, my football college team is only four and four. And, um, I'm going through the struggle right now. Like Jordan Addison is not playing. Jameer Gibbs is on a bye. Like I'm not understanding all these multiple bye weeks in college football. This this is confusing as hell to me. It's like every third week they just take off. They're just like, nah, we're good. I'm like, wait a minute. I can't. All right. Um, yeah, I'm unique. Um, but you didn't tell them about the fourth way to win the jersey. Come on the show because I'm housing one of them jerseys, and then I'm going to sell it on the black market. <laughs> Uh, what has it been like for you this your first year in a C two C? You know, are you getting more exposure to college football? Are you finding it fun? Talk to us about what your first year has been like. Yeah, so I found this year is kind of like my first year in playing Dynasty. I assume I have every player. 
Um, cause I'm like, wait, I think I have him. Um, and then I go check and I'm like, I do not have him. I do not, I do not even have anyone remotely near that name. Um, but no, yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's made me more interested in college football, right? Like I was a guy that like, obviously I watched the highlights. I watched the big games because well, they're big games and I want to root against, you know, Notre Dame and, and root against uh, Alabama, um, and hope that they burn in hell. And, um, you know, just like, that's fun for me, but now it's like, all right, well, now I got a reason to watch damn near every game. Right. Cause these are these, some of these are going to be just my Debbie guys moving forward. I want to see like, are these dudes that anyone that, anyone that's going to be worthwhile holding on to once it comes to graduating to the pros or are these just dudes that I'm going to be using in college and then, you know, wish, wish them well when they go selling shorts. Um, it's confusing. And we saw you, we saw you this year at the, uh, at the Penn state game, get taken in some college football on a Saturday. Yeah. I was at Penn state, uh, not truly a Penn state fan, but I was like, yeah, you know what? Let me, let me go watch them play uh Liberty Liberty. I believe it was Liberty. I had the Liberty running back going, uh, and that's when I discovered also I have uh, Tinsley on my roster. So I was very excited about that because he had a decent game. And then I started him the next week and he didn't do anything. Um, yeah, no, man, it's it's made it more fun. Like It's just like when you started playing Dynasty, right? Like you start caring about things you didn't think you would care about. You're like, oh, well, there, there's that freshman running back that hasn't gotten any run yet this year. But he's, he's on the sidelines stretching out. Maybe they're going to put him in. Are there, when you start dynasty, especially, you know, you get, you gravitate towards certain players. Like I remember drafting Arian Foster and Marshawn Lynch uh, really early. Those are two that I could, even Brian Westbrook. Are there any players on your rosters that you're like, all right, I love that guy. Now I love that guy. I'm going to be, I'm going to have him rostered for his entire career. Um, So I can't say Jordan Addison since he's going to be. You can say Jordan Addison. Yeah, that, 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 yeah, Jameer Gibbs. Uh, yeah, well, I drafted really well for Debbie. So I drafted more of like, because you know what I did in the early parts of the draft? I drafted, drafted the dudes that I obviously knew and that were ranked high as Debbie players. And I was like, after that, well, then I'm just going to use CDC's rankings and uh, and use their uh, ADP to help me out when we're in, you know, the 76th round. Um, and again, just talking to you tonight, I realized that I have 86 quarterbacks on my roster. So that that's fun. <laughs> Um, I thought Jake, Jake Hefner, is that how you say his name? Jack, Jake Hayner, him. Yeah. Jake him. Yeah. Jake I thought Hainer he was Fresno state. Uh-huh. I know. Yeah. I thought he'd be better than he is. Um, that he hasn't helped me <laughs> quite a lot in, uh, Mordecai. I like Tanner Mordecai mostly because of his name. Um, so that, that's not really, and Ali Jennings, cause he's the only player, only one of like five players on my roster on fan tracks that actually has a picture. There you go. There you go. Um, yeah, uh, Shane deciding between Tanner Mordecai and Preston Stone. I think Preston Stone is is starting to, uh, this weekend. Uh, Austin, Chris, Matt, if you guys got questions, you can jump in here too. Um, Shane, what is the perception? And I'm going to ask you some players, but I want to get your sense of the perception of the 2023 class amongst the dynasty community. Because we've been talking about this class really since they were freshmen. I mean, one of Austin's first takes on this show was that B. John Robinson was the best running back in college football. That was before he even played it down. And, you know, here in the Debbie space, in the in the college fantasy space, we said, don't get those 2022 picks. Load up on 2023s because that's going to be the class where you can actually hit some home runs. Is that the is it is that sentiment gaining steam in the in the dynasty community? I, I feel like so some of us already played in Debbie leagues, right? And and dynasty, you always have an eye towards the future anyway, right? Like you, you might not know the exact particulars of every class, but you definitely know when classes are, are supposed to be good and bad. Like we we kind of knew 2022 was supposed to not be that great, and the wide receivers actually shown out a little bit more than we thought. Um, in 2023, we were like, oh, this is going to be like bonkers. I can't remember the year I want to comp it to, but I want to say like the J.K. Dobbins year when there was 87 running backs that came out. Like we all knew that that year was coming. So we all knew that 2023 was coming. I think people in the know were like, if anything, we're a little disappointed because, you know, Quentin Johnson didn't do anything for the first what four weeks. Um, and then, of course, yeah. he had like 600 yards receiving in two games. So we're like, all right, he's back. Cool. Um, Keyshawn Butte is still uh, in the missing witness protection program. So that's unfortunate. But I think we, we definitely know and we're definitely in on the class. 
um, the running backs, especially, obviously, you got Bijan, Jameer, then it, it's take your pick, like Zach Charbonnet, I guess he's the running back three today. Um, I, I like Sean Tucker. I know for whatever reason, he doesn't get a lot of buzz, um, mostly because they don't, a lot of people don't think he'll get drafted highly. But, yeah, we know this class is good. And then we just look at the top-end quarterbacks. We're like C.J. Stroud and, mm-hmm. and Bryce Young. Like, yeah, and Superflex, I'm good, bro. Like, you know, if I can – I can, there, there's a realistic – and it's plausible that I could get those guys at 103 and 104 mm-hmm. in next year's rookie yep. drafts and Superflex drafts, which is just absurd to think about when we were drafting Kenny Pickett at, like, 106 this year. You know what I mean? Just starving for a quarterback. So I have had the opinion that the fantasy community is too hung up on quarterbacks that run the ball. Like you can get fantasy points from these drop back passes. CJ Stroud doesn't, doesn't run the ball. Does that scare you off of him? I still think that he is an, an elite thrower. And if he finds himself in Detroit or one of these cushy landing spots, it's going to be on and popping for someone like for, so for someone like Stroud, who's who can kind of beach at every level, deep, intermediate, short, he's going to be active as a supporting cast. Scary off of CJ Stroud, given the fact that he's not going to improvise, he's not going to run. Um, not, not not that much, right? But also, like all I see is highlights. I mean, and that's just watching his games. Like everything's a goddamn highlight. Like the dude is just balling out. So it's like, all right, well, if he's doing this in the NFL, I'm I'm okay with it. Like I don't care how you score me twenty five points a week. Now I like having that rushing ability in your back pocket, like Jalen Hurts, because it was like this dude can't throw for shit last year, but he could run. You know what I mean? So I was like, all right, you can bank on that for fantasy. And then this year, it's all of a sudden he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm an excellent passer now, too. Um, and you're like, all right, well, you don't have to you don't have to rely on the running game so much. Could you stop running in the stuff? Like, eventually, that's what you want to happen. You you kind of want them to have the ability to at least run a little bit. But if they can scramble out of, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, scramble out of um, trouble, then that's fine, too. Like, Justin Herbert doesn't take off that much. I'm okay with that, you know. Um, he's the other tall guy I was just thinking of. Uh, you you won't know because it was in my head. But there's uh, Pat Mahomes, right? Like, now, obviously, he's a mm-hmm. great runner. If he wanted to be, like, I think he would put up Lamar Jackson-type numbers, to be quite honest with you, because he's just a magician. But that's not what he does, you know, most of the time. Um, so it scares me a little bit, but it's a trade-off. Like, Bryce Young's four foot two and 103 pounds. So which scares me more? You know, but I still mm-hmm. think they're both going to be really good prospects. I think they're both going to be really good quarterbacks. So I'm not 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 really worried. Nick Chubb is a top five RB, um, even PPR formats. Twenty six years old, I believe. You taking Nick Chubb or the twenty twenty three one oh six? Let me go through this one oh six. Um, so just off the top of my head, you got what Stroud, you've got Young, you've got John Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, Boutte, Quentin Johnston, JSN, Tucker, JSN, Jordan Addison, Zach Evans, Jordan Addison. I mean, yep. So see you, Chubb, you old bastard. (laughs) Um, I might, um, I might try to get a second squeezed out of it too. Um, depending on the leagues I'm in, a lot of the leagues I'm in, we hate running backs because, well, running backs, uh, unfortunately are very fragile and they tend to just stop producing and stop having value at 26, like almost on cue. Although we do have some older ones, outliers that do produce, but yeah, no, I'll take the 106, man. I'm, I was all about this class. I like this class. Like it, it, I shouldn't know this many people in the class. When I know a lot of people in the class, you're like, oh, it must be a good class because you're paying attention. Like, remember, Tanks Bigsby was supposed to be good. I mean, mm-hmm. you're going to get him in the second round. And you know what? You're yeah. going to be like, damn, I can't believe I got him in the second round. Like, two years ago, you were thinking, well, this is a first-round guy. Like, there's going to be so many good players in this draft that it's ridiculous. And then in the 2024 class, too. Oh, my if, De- if Tank Bigsby declares this draft and you get a David Montgomery level prospect at the 201, I mean, that's that's all the reason right there to uh, that you should have been dra- uh, investing in this class. I want to give you another then, player name. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and then we're going to have at least two quarterbacks that jump up, right? Uh, right now it's looking like it's uh, that, that uh, hooker in Tennessee. Um, or I guess not Will Levy's because he's been kind of stumbling lately. It, but it probably we know the NFL. Like if you've got the tools, 
they're probably going to draft you high, right? And last year, notwithstanding, no one really had the, the requisite skills and production, or at least at a minimum level. Like you looked at Malik Willis and you go, well, he's got the tool set, but like, it's not going to really be like that. Now, obviously no one's got that tool set out of this group, but I think there's going to be more of a, these guys have the tool set and the requisite uh, starting uh, history. So we're going to end up with like three or four quarterbacks that are probably going to sneak in the first round too. We're going to need like a 14 round league so we can get all the picks in. That'll be interesting to see another. And, you know, Austin, Chris, anytime you want to jump in, you're more than welcome. You're doing so well. I'm just letting you roll, you know? Yeah. You're doing great, sweetie. Cut me off. Don't, don't let me just uh, filibuster over here. Cause I will filibuster. Um, Chris Godwin or, uh, uh, Late 2023 first. I'm going to go with Godwin there. Uh, I'm assuming it's a late 23 first and it's mine. I'm competing. So I'm putting all types of context around this and qualifiers, right? So I'm assuming I'm competing and Godwin has shown that he can be a wide receiver one in this league. I can't believe that that offense is going to continue to be this bad. And even if it is, Godwin's still only 26 years old. Um, And as much as I like this class, I'm going to take Godwin over a late first. One more, Devonta Smith, your Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. Or a late 2023 first. Late 2023 first. Look, I, I love Devonta. It's just with A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard. Look, he's going to have his weeks where he's the man there, and he's also going to have these weeks where he's just kind of a cog in the wheel. Um, and besides, like, player for player, what I'm getting with that 23 pick is the hope of what it could be and the flexibility and the fungibility of it to use in other deals and things like that. Because quite frankly, if I come up on it in the 2023 draft and I'm on the clock and somebody wants to swap that for a 24 pick, I'll, I'll do it. Cause I'll be like, all right, well, the odds are in my favor that that 24 pick is going to be higher than this 110, this 111. And the 20, uh, 2024 class from what I see right now is going to be pretty good. So, you know, let, let me swap it. But the point being is that I can do a lot of things with that pick. There you have it, the 2023 class at Shane is the worst on Twitter. And make sure you use Dynasty Coach, Dynasty Trades HQ, promo code HQ. Just HQ, just HQ. Just HQ at campus2can.com. I got to get your take on this. Um, There are things circulating in the fantasy community to make the game easier. One is make everything best ball, best ball standard. But the other other is is to do just quarterback – Eight in eight flex positions. No running back, no defined wide receivers, no tight end. What's your take on that? No, I hate that. So, you know, when that was all the rage a couple of years ago, people were doing that. And I mean, maybe it still is. And I just, anytime someone's brought it to me now, I'm like, no, 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 I hate this. Um, I want a little creativity. And it sounds funny because you're like, wait, restrict me by making me play two running backs and three wide receivers and three flex and, and a tight end or two tight ends, two quarterbacks. But then I can get creative, like, well, how I want to build my team. You know what I mean? Like, do I want to invest at wide receiver, which um, might be uh, they're going to last longer than running backs, obviously. Right. But they might not have the instant impact at a running back. Like I could go in and I could draft JT in the first round knowing that, well, let's use next year's example. I could use draft B. John Robinson in the first round, right, and go, well, this dude's going to smash immediately. Like, this dude's going to be a 22-point-a-week guy, but he's only going to do it for three years because he's a running back, and that's what happens. Or I could go get this wide receiver. He's going to get me 14 points a week, but he's probably going to do it for six years um, or maybe longer, but he ain't going to be on my roster that long. Um, so I just like the creativity that it lends itself, even though – you would think it restricts you, right? There's no real strategy to just start whatever. It's like, all right, whoever scores the highest, period. That's just who I'm grabbing. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't care about fragile, fra- fragility. I can't say that word. I shouldn't fragility. even try it. Yeah, fragility. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, I shouldn't even try that. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, I'm on a campus Canton show. Like, you know, it's college related. So I'm like, let me use a big word. Silly boy. Um, I just, I feel like there's no real strategy involved in it. And I could be wrong. You know what I mean? Like there could be, and maybe I just don't see it. But to me, it's just, you know, it's literally, all right, well, just the highest scoring players. It doesn't matter what position they're at. Mox, are you okay with positionless fantasy football? You know how much 
shit I get from people when I recommend best ball at the college level or I say, hey, maybe y'all doing this automatic substitution is basically best ball, but you're hiding behind um, the rules. Yeah, I don't want to hear anybody complain. We bring this up at the NFL level like that. Like, you know how many quarterbacks were ruled out last week within two minutes of kickoff? Like five. I don't want to hear it from college people anymore if this is what we're doing at the NFL level. I'm sick and tired of y'all. Matt, it makes the game it makes the game easier. Best ball and no. eight eight flexes. So we've we've had this conversation. It was either during the show or, or on the after show, right? About best ball. I know Austin, I believe Austin and Chris have both like mentioned it in the old guys in the room, which would have been me and Felix at the time. We're sitting there like, no, no, you don't we don't play best ball around here. I've actually joined some best ball leagues and it is somewhat kind of nice not really having to worry about <laughs> no. anything. But I will say I don't think every league should go to best ball. That's kind of like my big thing. I just feel like it takes a lot of the fun out of certain things because I notice it in a couple of those best ball leagues. And I'm sure it wouldn't be people like us who are extremely invested in this. I mean, Shane's talking about he's he's going to college football games now, but you're going to have people who stop paying attention because they don't have to on the going to position listing. I completely hate that argument because nobody's bringing it up. If Brees Hall doesn't get hurt and then you want to whine and cry about it. Cause Brees Hall's on your team. You're like, Oh no, what am I going to do, bro? That's fantasy. It's the same thing for every position. If you have Justin Herbert and Justin Herbert's actually on the sideline dealing with it, instead of being out there playing and he's dealing with this rib, rib issue. If you're having to put out there a chase, Daniel, you're telling me you're not feeling the same thing because you're plugging in a backup for Brees Hall now. Like it's every every position suffers injuries, and you're not going to be able to replace Brees Hall unless you have multiple good RBs. That is what fantasy football is about. It's not supposed to be easy. If it was easy, all of us would be out here winning championships every single year. There is an there is a certain amount of luck to it, and I think making it positionless or best ball, yeah, it eliminates some of that luck. And in my opinion, it takes kind of some of the fun out of it. But I just I don't get that argument that oh well let's just do all positionless football and you can if you want to draft 30 wide receivers and you just start 30 wide receivers like why is that going to make it any easier because chances are you're going to end up with a bunch of guys like Tim Patrick who are going to possibly score right around the same points and you're going to pick the wrong decision there too. So I just I don't I hate that I'm kind of with Shane on that part. I'm not as much against best ball, though, as I used to be. I think there's a fun way to mix both in there, here and there. I would not make all of my leagues best ball. I, I don't think that is as much fun as Austin and Chris, who they just want to sit around and smoke their cigars and work in their gardens and drink on a Saturday and not have to worry about fantasy football. I like to stress out my lineups. I like to sit there at 11.58 like, oh, God, can that I sounds swap awesome. out? Like, can I swap out well, college Saturday sleep you really quick? Awesome. And I didn't. And I still lost. And But it, that, that happens. It's fantasy football. Like, I, I enjoy the – as Felix and I've talked about on college fantasy now, I enjoy like Sunday mornings as NFL is getting ready to kick off. And I go look at my college teams and see that I lost because of some bullshit college player who, who wasn't announced to be out is out. And I just get to throw my phone across the room. Like that's fantasy. It, it, it you know, it may take a year or two off my life, but it's, it's what fantasy football is all about. Winston Churchill has a quote, something to the effect of if you're not a liberal in your 20s, you don't have a heart. And if you're not a conservative in your 50s, you don't have a brain. I think as I get older, I'm like, yeah, let's go all for the best ball. So I don't think about this <laughs> after the draft. After the draft. Uh, Shane, do you have um, a bold prediction for us for the the rest of the NFL season? I try. I tried to give you some some uh, – you tried. I do better when I'm just off the cuff. You don't even give me warning. I'm I'm looking up on the internet. And I'm like bold predictions and looking up the like. What does that mean? Um, NFL? NFL. I mean, I guess NFL. So it wouldn't be bold to say that Ken Walker is going to be a top four running back the rest of the season. Would it be bold to say Travis Etienne is going to be a top five running back the rest of the season? I think so. Yeah, All I think right. both I think those so. are actually pretty bold. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, both of those, and then I'll just throw in a bonus. Um, Chris Olave gonna gonna mess around and and, and end up. Uh, what did uh, Chase have last year? Thirteen hundred yards, something like that. Yeah, it sounds right. Yeah, Olave's gonna better that this year, and that's without playing one of the games because he got his brain scrambled, you know, on that awful hit in the end zone. Olave looks like 
the next Justin Jefferson slash Jamar Chase type of alpha dude. It's been two off seasons in a row. Jamar Chase's uh, rookie year, and then this year with Chris Olave, you know, not looking good in preseason camp, where their value has tanked, and then they've had excellent, excellent seasons. So I was listening to people that were telling me, you know, Chris Olave soft. Chris Olave doesn't has never broken a tackle in college. Um, his yards after contact in college were negative eight hundred and six yards, and uh, I, I took it to heart, right? And I didn't bother to look at well this dude actually just smashed every year and like i know you're not supposed to give the whole well his teammates are really good spiel right but if you're gonna do it it probably should be for an ohio state quarterback that shared the field with like three other first round draft picks like probably should have so chris olave someone i definitely slept on and um i picked up in a few leagues lately and i'm, I'm happy that i have Shane Manila, you can find him at Shane is the worst on Twitter. You can find his work at DLF. You can hear his voice on uh, Mannequin Chill, Fantasy Intervention, and Dynasty Trades HQ. Promo code HQ for your subscription to CampusToCanton.com. Shane, we appreciate you joining us tonight. I appreciate you guys having me on. I had a great time. I can't wait to hopefully I turn it around in college football season and uh, I can win the college part of this and then laugh at you. Oh, there you go. That sounds mean. <laughs> no, listen to Jeremy, Michael, and Shane on Dynasty Trades HQ. All right, peace, Shane. Peace. Guys, we are going to give away one of the signed jerseys, but you're going to have to stick around to hear it live. Matt, are we good? Are we ready to? Are we going to be able to produce this live? Yeah. Are we going to be content when we do it? Okay. I've um, got the list pulled up. All I got to do is hit the couple buttons and we're good to go. All right, I just want to make sure we're there when we're ready to go. Mox, we got to talk about Texas A&M. Things are falling apart there. You've got Jimbo Fisher saying, why go to a school that wins? They've suspended four players, including Chris Marshall, the wide receiver that some of us are very, very high on. Um, What is going on with this locker room, with this program? Jimbo's a joke. That's the bottom line. Like, he's a joke. I've seen a lot of people blame this one on NIL, and I think that's so, so wrong. Like, how many – like, this is this is a lack of, like, institutional control over your program, lack of discipline, lack of um, – I don't want to say boundaries, but that's kind of what it is. Like, these kids have no responsibility or accountability at all. And that's part – that's Jimbo's problem. This is not an NIL issue. Kids were smoking dope – Forever. Them doing in the visitor's locker room away at South Carolina, that's a little bit different of an issue. Okay? We know that this has been going on for a long time. We know kids have been being paid for a long time, even if it's under the table. It's not an NIL problem. And I think anybody who says it's an NIL problem has skated in the game to reduce the amount of money that's going to these kids. Number one. I am trying to shortchange all these kids' money. Yeah, like... I can't wait because I, I disagree. So I, I'm, I'm oh, excited. I do not think this is at all an NIL problem. This is a Jimbo is an idiot problem, and we know that that is true and has been true for a hot minute, actually a long minute. So I think you have to attribute at least part of it to NIL, and I think it might uniquely be an AM problem at this stage. Yep. We might also see it at Miami, depending on what happens yeah. there. I can't believe I'm not um, in Boston, aren't I? So I think part of the problem here is that Jimbo is an awful coach to be leading a program that is operating in this manner at the moment, because I think a lot of the players that they are recruiting to go to A&M are, they, they do not, they're not going there because they respect the coach and they're not going there because they respect the program. They wouldn't normally go to Texas A&M. Yes. Yes. They're going there for one reason and one reason only, which is why I've been very big on why NIL should not be an inducement, but that's a different argument for a different day. So I think it's a it's 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 that coupled with the fact that Jimbo has no control anyway, and I think these kids know that he has no control because an outside third party is the one paying them all the money and not Jimbo Fisher, and there's no link between those that makes this a uniquely NIL slash Texas A&M slash Jimbo Fisher problem. I think to say that NIL plays no factor here um, is 
wrong. And I think it's like, I, I think it's just placing all the blame on Jimbo and that's an easy blame because he's the guy that's down and we're kicking him right now. But I think it's, it's all those factors that come together in a very unique situation. It doesn't happen at Alabama because what, guess what? Kids are going to Bama respect the Alabama helmet, Alabama's history. They respect Nick Saban. They respect what he's going to do to get them to the NFL they don't respect any of those things at Texas A&M. They just don't. Look at well, their fan base. I don't even respect – they don't even respect their fans. Yeah. Bunch of the, goobers. I think the difference you can make between Alabama, too, and, and a lot of these other top-name schools. I mean, you talk about – I'm just going to use a couple that I know are doing it this way. Michigan, Ohio State, USC. They're not – or from what we've heard, they're not necessarily paying these freshmen – they're using NIL and finding ways to pay players who've already done and proven it on the field. What did Texas A&M do? They did not do that. They went out and quote unquote bought this class. I know Jimbo Fisher refuted that. I'm kind of in between both of you guys. Like I do probably lean more toward what Austin is saying. I do think that NIL is not a massive factor, but it is a factor in here because of that. Like I don't think Evan Stewart's going to Texas A&M if he's not getting paid. I think Chris Marshall's going to Texas A&M if he's not getting paid. Now, maybe some of those offensive linemen, defensive players, yes. So we have seen those guys move on from Jimbo Fisher's programs in the past and end up getting drafted in the NFL. We have not seen these kind of offensive players typically go, especially to Texas A&M. So I do think that is part. Now, Evan Stewart is not involved in all this other stuff, so I don't want to like put him in that group. It sounds like he's been like a model teammate and everything. But Chris Marshall, all those other guys, like I do think that matters to part of the thing that, that Austin mentioned in – it's not Jimbo paying him. And I think he did the only thing he could do, and that is suspend them for the rest of the season. Like, that's literally the only hand he has to play. He can't do anything else. So I do think that plays into it somewhat. I do think the rest of it is, too, is like, we've talked about, well, we've argued back and forth. Austin and Felix have been on one side, and I feel like me and Moxley have been on the other, that, like, Jimbo gets unfairly shit on at times because he has developed players and put them into the NFL. While it's not been offensive players, he has done a good job, as Moxley talked about, whatever. This was probably months ago now at this point that he has put these defensive players into the NFL. But he's not been a good coach. And I don't think he's really done much at Texas A&M. He's won one big game like every year that's kind of saved his job. He got unfairly paid a shit ton of money that he probably should not have gotten paid because Texas A&M wanted to be back. They're not. I think all of that, as Austin has kind of mentioned, it's all kind of come in together to just make a horrible, horrible like mixture of things that's not going to get better anytime soon either. Because I, I think there is now a better shot that Jimbo is let go in the next couple of years than there is they're going to stop paying these players. I think they will continue to do so because they want to be competing against Alabama. They want to beat Texas in a couple of years when Texas comes into the SEC. Like, they're not going to stop. I, I think that's all fair. I, I just wonder if a different coach is in there if this is a non-issue. And I, I lean the answer is yes, which means if that's the answer, then this is probably not quite an NIL problem as much as it is a coach who has a $89 million buyout and can do whatever he wants. No accountability has always been that way, by the way, like this is not a unique to Texas A&M thing. It was the same thing at Florida state. He does not hold his players accountable. They can get away with pretty much anything. Now it's amplified in this, in the space where these kids are making money and it's, it's awkward. And we saw the NCAA uh, give clarification today on the relationship that uh, the athletic department and coaches can have with boosters making that conversation allowable, but you're right. This class was not one that was technically technically recruited in a joint manner the same way that it would have been. So these kids are probably not like, well, you didn't give me this money. You weren't involved in this process. Wink, wink. I, I don't know. I just think Jimbo is the whole problem here. And he's no incentive to like, what, what leverage does Texas A&M have? Any? No, probably not. Right. Like you Two have questions. I think if you, yeah, I mean, because Jimbo's fine to just walk away with the money, but I think they can have the conversation where they call him in and they say, well, I think they would try anything to fire him for cause, a la Auburn and Brian Harson. Yeah. Um, <laughs> only like on a way crazier level. But I think they're like, if Jimbo, if like, I, I don't know what drives Jimbo. At the end of the day, maybe Jimbo really feels like for his legacy, he has to win a national championship there with what's going on, or he's a failure. Like maybe he truly can't live with that. And let's say that's the case. I think they can call him in and say, you just saw how much money we wasted on a bunch of kids we never even talked to before. We'll pay $90 million to get your ass out of here and bring in somebody that can actually do this job. And if that would actually, like, I know, you know, boo hoo, he cries into his money, but like, 
if the reputational and legacy parts actually like matter to him, then I think that there would be some incentive to change because A&M can write him that check. I have no he doubt. Goes, I don't know if you can write somebody a ninety million dollar check. That's going I mean, that, that is a there that is the a money tough yeah. to swallow. Same. But, but it's not if, one. It's not one person though, right? It's the booster. So you have multiple people saying, yeah. "Hey, we'll all do whatever." To so it doesn't come all from one person. It's multiple people chipping in to do that. And I have no doubt. There's an easy way to do it. fix this problem. There's an easy way to fix this problem, at least in my opinion, is making the offense more fun. Bringing in an offensive coordinator. Why would you do fire- that? Exactly. He has no incentive to do that. Like, His he ego doesn't want to. They're not yeah. good. He they doesn't care. What are Wait, he, what's he going to say? Him. Hire me and they give me my whole been, They haven't been good for multiple seasons, and he has refused to bring in an offensive coordinator. It's a new age, and I think that there's a chance that they could catch up to Alabama when Bryce Young leaves. If I was Jimbo Fisher, I would look at Jeff Grimes at Baylor. I would, of course, look at Zach Kitley at, um, at, at uh, Texas Tech. Those would be the first two names that I would look at on uh, on my list as so- Nebraska chimes in austin can pay the 90 million dollar the 90 million dollar check didn't uh didn't we have the conversation here recently that texas a&m was going to be able to get alabama because they weren't going to be what they were when they lost to a or this year how that team had lost the players that they lost and that the wide receiver room didn't look that good that texas a&m could probably get them like we keep having these conversations about how texas a&m can probably come up and get them and outside of zach calzada blacking out last year and having the game of his life and beating alabama they I mean, they were close, I guess, this year, but you know, close doesn't cut it. You've got to win the games. They they've swung awesome. and missed a they've swung and missed a quarterback too. That's I exactly what is, I was going to ask you. I I think that's a pretty big t- deal too. I mean, unless you're like, I think the the way that Georgia won the national championship last year is like virtually impossible. You have to have yes. like a top right. three defense of all time, <laughs> coupled right. with like just crazy amount of skill position guys and. They might have lost that national championship game if Bama still hadn't gotten hurt. Yeah. Like the to thread that needle, which is basically what AM is attempting to do right now, is we're not going to see another team do that for another 30 to 40 years. Like we're it's just it's virtually impossible. Well, they so, have been flirting with Malachi Nelson. What are the chances that you think that he flips on signing day? I think zero percent. After after they messed with AM a couple months ago, did you follow that whole thing? Like no. the week after he went and visited them and then USC and Malachi were like they were tweeting like all this like I stuff and AM fans thought that he was flipping and then actually they USC stole recruit from AM the other yeah, direction. They stole like, the wide receiver. I don't yeah. think there's <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's any chance that he's going there. Uh I don't think they're I think they're gonna strike out in this class. I don't think there's a guy as of now unless they can go like and I don't think this is like Kenny Minchie would be the kind of guy you'd go after because he's going to pit, but that's not like he's not Nico, you know, in terms of like or like Arch or like that's the kind of guy you have to go get. And none of those guys are going to go there this year. And it doesn't look good for the class after either. Nope. From what I've seen, like they just, I think players at the quarterback position are wary of this now. What what's going on there? I think their best bet's going to be the portal. I think you have to go find a guy that's already developed, and you tell them, look, we got five stars across the board here. You know, you're going to McCord. Kyle McCord. So I was going to say DJ. I was going to say like DJ or Tyler Van Dyke yeah, or something. Yeah. Go get a guy that oh, kind of already I'd love, a little bit. I'd love for Tyler Van Dyke to go there and that offense not improve at all. <laughs> He's not Jimbo's type, but um, that's the kind of like pool that you have to go fishing in, I think. Like, what is Jimbo's type? Because I'm thinking between Kellen Mond and Haynes King. What What traits do you think are similar between both of them? I think you either have to you either have to be athletic or you have to be a genius, which is how Jameis. Although Jameis was, I believe, was a dual threat coming out of high school too. Um, Labeled, and he was considered a high IQ football player. Uh, From all the stories I've heard, he's like a freaking genius. He just is also a gunslinger in the same body. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean that's like that's what he needs. Like that's why he gets these raw guys that have a lot of upside. They still kind of get drafted in the NFL and they never become anything because he doesn't develop them at all. And that's the kind of player to track that like he wants in his system. And I think that's why these quarterbacks don't go there because, it, you know, we talked about this, whatever. I think it was last week when we had Nelly on, or maybe in the week before that, like it seems like these top quarterbacks are all picking the same programs because they see these guys getting developed and going to the NFL, which is what they really care about. I don't think any of these guys are going to go there. I mean, 
I see Nelly in the comments is asking about Wigman. Like, I I, I want to say it was Colin. Me and Colin were fairly high on him, but like I think I had him as my QB four or five in this class. But the problem with that is like I still don't think even if he takes over this weekend, if Haynes King is is out, like Jimbo's not going to let him sling it. That's kind of what he needs to do, and I think that's been the big problem with this offense. It's not that they don't have weapons. They have weapons. They've had decent wide receivers. They've had running backs. They had a, a good offensive line. They don't let these quarterbacks play in any kind of like up-tempo, high-flying offense. It's let's hand the ball off to Devin Achain, who's not a workhorse running back 30 times a game, and see what happens. What do you want, Mike? What do you I'm want? just patiently waiting back room. I'm just patiently waiting. Do you have anything to add to the conversation here? No, I can't. Go away, Mike. Go away. Go away. Go away. We'll come back to you, Mike. All right. Um, Before we get to the Jersey giveaway, we we want to talk about next year and moves that we could be making, some players that we are buying now that we think will gain value by this time next year. Austin, do you want to start off that conversation with some guys that you're buying? Um, Well, the big one that I was buying – uh, was going to be Chris Marshall because I think his value hasn't caught up yet to where he, where, how he where does Chris Marshall go to school? What position does he play? We just talked about it. Well, he was at Texas A&M, but he's probably not anymore. He's a wide receiver there. Um, so I don't know. That That's my number one answer. I bought him from Matt. Matt, what are, Matt in the league already. I bought him somewhere else. Um, cause he, you know, is like six, three, like moderately athletic. Like I still, I don't know what the up, like, I don't know how great he can be, but, um, I still like, no one's talking about his breakout. I think a lot of these freshman receivers are still prime for the buying. That means guys like Antonio Williams, who's at Clemson, that offense has deflated what his stat total could be. His market share numbers are still very, very strong. Um, he's leading the team in receiving, but he's not quite getting that level of hype because Clemson is not very good passing the ball. Um, I think that both of the Kentucky wide receivers still undervalued based on what they should be. Um, I think they both have a lot of upside there. Um, I, Ted McMillan's a guy that actually I still don't think the hype is caught up with what he's done yet this year. I'm still skeptical about his long-term debut potential, but I think he's producing in college way earlier than I ever thought he would. Um, like he's he's him and Cowling are the one A one B there now. They are both just been on fire the past couple of weeks. Um, so those are the kind of guys that I'm really really targeting. Uh, do you guys have anybody else? No, I'm going to throw in Cartavius Norton in there. Uh, I think because of his early hamstring injury, he wasn't able to able to take over that job, and his value may still be suppressed. But I still think that he has a top. 10 running back uh, upside. So, and I, I feel like I've been saying his name. Um, so, Cartavius Norton at Iowa State, running back there at Iowa State is one. And then Keon Coleman at Michigan State. Now, this is, I don't know that his, I don't know what his ceiling is, but I think that he's a player that you could almost get in a throw in. Michigan State, not a good program, but we have this guy that has a athletic basketball background and he's been productive in spurts this year. He's he's one of those guys where I'm like maybe I'm targeting a bigger player if I'm in a trade and I'm like throw me some Keon Coleman to sweeten this deal or whatever so we can get this done. I'm gonna try to get both of those guys. Keon Coleman's one for me. Matthew, you were gonna. Oh, I mean, a lot of the guys I was gonna mention were were some of the freshmen that um, Austin brought up. I mean, I I still have some hope. Uh, we. <laughs> I know Mike actually, who's who's patiently waiting, uh, brought up Keon Gray's in our Debbie chat the other day, and also said now he's dead. I still have some hope because of how much we valued him, but obviously, as as proven as that year one zero theory is becoming, it is not looking good for Gray's. Jadon Blue and Travante Citizen, I think, are two as well. Like Blue, I think, is getting completely cast aside because of of the love that Cedric Baxter is getting and the fact that he's coming there. And there are like legitimate rumors that he may not be coming to Texas now. Like it is all over the place that he may be flipping away from Texas. And if that happens, and you can get Jadon Blue now, who could be the future of that offense with with Quinn next year, and then Arch coming in the year after that. Like that's that's massive. 
Travante, I feel like, is just a forgotten man because he's been injured. Miami has not been good. And I think a lot of people are kind of forgetting how high, at least we feel, he can be in this community. Um, Felix uh, also mentioned some of the other wide receivers. Like, I agree on Tet and them. And the other one, like, I, I'm just going to be honest. Like, whether it is – we know where I stand on it. But even if it's not at Ohio State, like, I'm still go, willing to go out and buy Kyle McCord personally. Because you can get him for – I got him in a league. I Look, you shake your head. No, I just got him in a league for a 13th-round supplemental pick. You're telling me you would not do that? Yeah, exactly. Now you're shaking your head. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not telling you to go out there and give up a first or second for him. But even if he doesn't end up the starter at Ohio State, I think he's talented enough to be – he's going to transfer out next year. He's not going to transfer to Alabama and be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to sit behind whoever. Now, I don't know that he would sit behind Jalen Milrow or Ty Simpson, but he's not going to transfer to a school where he has to compete. Likely, he's going to go wherever he can start. And I think he can put up the stats either way for it's a year or two years, um, and you take a bet on him going to the NFL. But I, I would definitely take a shot on him because everybody, again, we, we've talked about this fair or unfair. We, as a website, have kind of become the voice in this space. And 99.9% of the people at Campus to Canton are telling you Devin Brown's going to be the starter next year. So people don't value McCord anymore at all. It's Devin Brown's going to be the guy. Why do I need to have this backup quarterback on my roster? Hey, I just Matt, think Devin Brown is a more talented player coming out of uh, high school. Hey, Matt, how long ago How long ago was October 19th? Was a week ago? Yes. Oh, um, Cedric yeah. Faxter did an interview where he said they don't have to worry about me flipping or anything. That's not happening. Yes, I don't I know. know. That's just said what he's that. dead. So that is what he said. But recently, there's been even more rumors that he may not be coming to Texas mm, okay. from people that I trust. Okay. There Cedric, are also put- Cedric Baxter, the top a top yes. ranked running back in the freshman class. He's our to top Texas. ranked. Committed, I believe he's three to Texas. I believe he's RB three for most of the web. So I'll just put it this way: I told our NIL group and you guys in a text message again why you should definitely be an NIL member because we give you some inside stuff. I told everybody three months before Cedric Baxter actually committed to Texas, that he was coming to Texas, that I, my, the people I talked to that are, that work closely with that program said they already knew that he was coming. They're telling me they are worried about Cedric Baxter, not actually coming to Texas. Now, I'm not talking about the, I saw the on three thing and then people on Twitter. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about actual legitimate people telling me they are worried about it. I don't listen to the 24 seven sports message boards. Uh, Matthew, you brought up an interesting point that we should re iterate and reemphasize if you are not contending on the college side of c2c's you need to be sending your cff players to the contenders and get middle or late supplemental picks you need to be making those offers now chris moxley any players that you want to add yeah let me do two quarterbacks in the state of texas uh sam jackson at tcu i think is pretty interesting i, I think that- that's good he could emerge as like a really, really valuable CFF quarterback in the next year if he if he does end up earning that starting job. And what we've seen from Chandler Morris this year has not really been eye-opening. And um, I'm not sure if Max Dugan's going to stick around for another year. If he even, I believe he has eligibility, but he does. Yeah. Can I, I can I expand on that? Because that's actually yeah, a great call. Like I, he was a guy that when I did my spring reports this year was constantly being talked about by Sonny Dykes as being one of like the way he threw the ball, how uh, I know Felix loves to talk about tight spirals. Like they love the way the ball was, was leaving his hand. They just talked about, he was making freshman mistakes, which is why he wasn't going to be the starter, but like that they love this kid. And then we saw his athleticism flash. I believe it was that first game, maybe against Colorado, where he ripped off like yeah. a seventy-yard touchdown run. Like it mocks is a hundred percent right here. He's a guy that nobody's talking about, too. Yeah, I yeah, we saw he. I mean, he was zooming down the field in that Colorado game on that touchdown. Like he that he's fast. He's really athletic. Um, Preston Stone's probably already out there, right? Like he's probably going to start the rest of the season. So I don't think that's really a, a deep name. What about Justin Lampson at Syracuse? Like that offense is kind of interesting. I don't know necessarily that they're going to. I think he's the starter next year is the bottom line. And if he's a starter next year, I think that that is a valuable CFFF asset. Is this Schrader's last year? Like he can't do any more school? I don't know if it's his. I think he has one more year. Which I don't think he problem. had one, but maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. I thought he was going to beat out Schrader, period, in yeah. the spring. But Schrader's played better than I thought. I thought, um, 
But so I Schrader, think Schrader was class of 2019, so he's got to have at least so another year in there. He's got a little, yeah. bit, of, little, bit, little bit of eligibility. But Sean Tucker's backup, who has looked well at sports. Look, look I can't remember his name. There you go. Also on my also on my list. That's uh because I think that's just an offense that you want pieces of. Uh, in the running back kind of isn't as valuable as it was in pre- previous iterations, but I I still want to go there. I got one more and then I'm done. Mitch Griffiths, the quarterback at Wake Forest. If he stays at Wake Forest, I mean, he could be a pretty big CFF producer as well. And if he doesn't stay at Wake Forest, he transfers out. I think he could be a good CFF producer elsewhere. He looked really impressive when he was filling in for Sam Hart. So just like an underrated, under-the-radar quarterback. Definitely, he's probably owned now because of the beginning of the season. But, I mean, that's a guy that's worth nothing. And all these players are worth nothing. Nobody's talking about them. You got seven seconds, Mike. Oh, I got Six names. All right. Brady Allen, quarterback from Purdue. No one's talking Hurry. about him. Great Hurry. size. Colby Young, great Say size again. Great athlete production. Faster. Stephen Johnson, you need Faster. to have that insurance for Taylor Shetron. Faster. Samuel Brown, the fifth, not productive. Oh, no. Time. All right. So we're going to have to get the rest of those during. <laughs> Mike just reading through his back to Debbie show sheet from this week because I listened to that. And those are those are all the names that he was dropping. Come on, Mike. Yeah. It was fresh material. None of this regurgitated <laughs> Matt, crap. Matt, Matt left, and we need to do the jersey giveaway now. Okay, I'm Ooh, back. Man. I got one more name that's not that's new. Wesley How did he Grimes, get back in force. here? Okay, look, A.T. Perry, he's going to be gone. Somebody, Donovan somebody Grimm's cut off be his gone. microphone. Cut off get, his microphone. Wesley Grimes. Okay. All Wesley right. Grimes. Um, Wesley Grimes. Mike out here just taking liberties. We gave him a platform. Now he doesn't do the after show anymore. Only comes on, does back to Debbie, and it just didn't. Well, we got a filibuster here until Matt comes back because that's how we get, that's how we get the uh, the jersey giveaway done. Um, how are we going to do that? Oh, you want me to just keep listing off names? I got names, dude. I'll just keep. I'll just keep going. What about Justin Lamson at UCLA? Or not Justin Lamson? Crap, Justin Martin at UCLA. Austin, that's your boy. That's your boy. I got got him stashed most places. So. Can you describe? Okay, we need time to fill here. So, can you describe uh, Justin Martin and the type of player that he is? If you're familiar at all with Dorian Thompson Robinson, who is the current quarterback at UCLA, a tall, athletic, uh, toolsy runner, early in his career, and still sometimes not super accurate as a passer that's justin martin is basically just the regen virgin version of of him i mean it's actually like scary how similar he is uh compared to to the thompson robinson coming out of high school he's so so chip kelly clearly you know <laughs> looking for a type here um and he, he's like six four he's, he's over 200 pounds he played really well at what the polynesian bowl i believe is the the all-star game he was at last year so i think he's got to keep an eye on for sure i think you know I don't feel comfortable necessarily projecting him to the NFL, but I think he can he can be a really I mean Chip Kelly quarterbacks are money. Well, speaking of Chip Kelly types, Zach Charbonnet is Kevin Miller six oh. one six one two hundred and twenty pounds. There is a true freshman there, a three star prospect from Los Angeles, California, named TJ Harden, six two two hundred and ten pounds. He's easily he's probably going to get to two hundred and thirty five pounds. I would bet by the time he here. He needs to be rostered because it's going to be uh, uh, he and Keegan Jones who end up leading the backfield there at UCLA. And and Chip Kelly has a long track record going back to his days at Oregon, going to his time at with the Philadelphia Eagles of having very productive running backs. And if you're going to be productive, then there's a potential for you to have Debbie Value to, be, to get draft capital. So um, I would pick up. He's he's Tamari and Harden on fan tracks. He's not TJ. That's Tamari and Harden. Tamari and Harden. Another one of those little um, nuances that you have to deal with in college fantasy football is name change, like JT Sanders as opposed to J- Jatavian Sanders now. What's Jalen Cropper? What did he change? I, Moreno Jaylen, Cropper? Is that Jalen Moreno Cropper? He's never going to call him that. But I appreciate him for doing that. Too bad. It's a shame we can't add uh, FCS players because, I mean, Giovanni McCoy is the next stud, right? I'm not saying that he's the next stud. Uh, Giovanni McCoy is a redshirt freshman quarterback at Idaho who is running a spread system. And if you watched him play against Indiana or Washington State, 
you watch him play Washington State, and you're like, Cam Ward is supposed to be this, you know, potential first round draft pick. But in that game, Giovanni McCoy was the best player on the field, and that's on the road. And Chris Moxley is shaking his head. He's got an excellent deep ball. Uh, yeah, I he agree. anticipates some throws. We've seen FCS players level up to FBS. We saw it with Bailey Zappi. We saw it with Cameron Ward this year. I think that Giovanni McCoy is next. He's going to have three or four years. I, I can't, the coach has thrown me all off. He is a red, he's a redshirt freshman, so he would, might have three years left after this season. And if your team like Austin is done with his eligibility after this year, he's a graduate graduate transfer. That's the type of player who could go to Western Kentucky and is going to be a QB one. He's not done he with his eligibility more. after this year. He has one more. Yeah, he's, good. he's a he's a graduate transfer. Doesn't matter. He has one more year. He has another year. Still, I would be paying attention to Giovanni McCoy. He could transfer up as we. Now endeavor to find Matt Bruning so we can do the jersey giveaway. Um, all right, Mike. What about Caden Cobb? He's one of my guys from uh, the offseason at Ball State. Like, I really liked him coming in. I thought John Paddock was trash. Paddock's been better than I thought. But this is – I'm pretty sure this is last, Paddock's last year of eligibility. So, give me Caden Cobb, the true freshman there. I really like him. He made our freshman – I believe he made our 50-impact freshman – this in our CFF guide, not making a big impact as Paddock's been relatively healthy, but I mean, that's a good wide receiver room. They've had, they have talent there. I liked what I saw from Cobb. Uh, I think he's pretty athletic. Uh, he's definitely got a good arm. So Matt quarterback is going to give you some value too. Just th- th- throwing names out there. I have a lot of Caden Cobb in my roster. So, so don't, if, if you're league with me, it doesn't apply. I have yet to be able to mention some more names that I had on my list. I also wanted to say I was going to also mention Kyle McCord first. Me. You actually let me know this time. Uh, Kyle McCord is a prime transfer candidate. Okay. It's not going to be Ohio State. He's going to look great in that Kentucky Blue next year. That's all I'm saying. We need to put that evil on him. Kyle McCord back to pit. Who says no? We have Kenny Minchie now. We have no need for Kyle McCord. Oh, wow. Kenny Minchie. This is is what I think we're going to do. Okay. We're going to find Matthew, but we're going to end this show and we will give away the jersey on the after show. All right. Mm. So let me, so stick around and we will, as soon as we were going to give away the jersey, Matthew left. Something must be going on because he doesn't just normally just leave. So um, make sure you check out the content around the campus to Canton family. If you want to get entered to win the jersey, you have three chances to enter. You can if you have if you do all three things, you will have three opportunities to win. Make a deposit of twenty dollars or more on Prize Picks using promo code C two C. Rate and review the show on on Apple Podcasts or wherever, and call in to the Better Sports Show. We are on every Saturday from eight a.m. to ten a.m. And this Saturday, we will be on from eight a.m. to ten a.m. But Austin will be on from eight a.m. till noon. Um, so call into the show and you can get entered to win. We're giving away one today. We're going to give away, uh, give it away during the after show. And then uh, uh, we will have two more left. The next one will be given away on, on November 5th on the tailgate. And the, after that, the last Jersey will be given away on November 12th on the better sports show. All right. That is going to be our show for tonight. Apologies for curve street and ran out of time. For Matt Bruning, Austin Nace, Felix Sharp, and I guess Mike Valerie, good night and good luck. Side of the field, intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State National Champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown! Touchdown, Alabama! Devontae Smith, touchdown, Alabama! And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years, their 17th overall. 
Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks at the end zone. Hunter and Bell caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro, and Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. Freshman. Made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.